We're continuing in our study of 1 John. Um, Boy, what a blessing. What a blessing it has been. Amen. I mean, what a blessing. What What wonderful truths that we're just feasting on here. Um, this marvelous epistle has a clear-cut purpose, if you haven't seen it already. is demonstrating the tests by which someone can know they're a Christian. It's such an encouragement. I don't know if you guys have been encouraged. I know you have. I'm sure you have. But boy, I have been so encouraged. It's such an encouragement to those who have been born again. And, and really, it's a sobering warning for those who are pretending to be a Christian but really are not true believers. We're entering into the last chapter here of 1 John. So as was mentioned, go to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to be looking at the first five verses this morning. of 1 John chapter 5. Word of God says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, amen. Yes. Lord, we are here this morning. We're wanting you, Father, asking you, Daddy, that you would come and minister to us. Christ Jesus, just as you invaded the earth so powerfully, you would come in this place and invade our hearts. Lord, as we look at your word, your living and active word that God, by your Holy Spirit, that that we would gain understanding, that we would be convicted, we would be taught, we would learn. God, we would be rebuked, we would be trained. Lord, bring understanding. We hear what the Spirit is wanting to speak to reality, Carp, at this time in history. We are your bride, Lord, and we know you are a bridegroom, and so please... Please come and speak. Have your way with us this morning. Help yourself to us, we ask, Lord. Where are we pretending, God? Convict, Lord. Set us free this morning. By your truth. Your word is truth. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Well, here we are in 1 John. And man, this very first, first verse is so good. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Boy, John is not stopping here as in, in regards to just speaking and, and proclaiming about believing in Jesus Christ. He's not stopping about loving one another. He's continuing here with the truth about believing in Jesus as he did in, in chapter 3. Believing in Jesus the Christ. John here is not saying, hey, believe in Jesus the person. Oh, he's a good teacher. Or he had good moral standards that he lived by. What John is saying here is saying, believe that Jesus is the Christ. That he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God. He is the sacrifice from God. What John is saying is, he's saying, when he's saying, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, he's saying, putting your trust in all that messianic truth about Jesus Christ, that he is the savior of the world, the one who has set us free. All that is true about Christ is implied here. All that's true about who Jesus Christ and what he has done is implied here. John says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the only way to the Father. He is the one true God. There's no other name that which men can be saved. Whoever believes in that Jesus, the only Jesus, Jesus the Christ, is born of God. We'll talk about born of God in a bit. And he goes on to say, whoever loves the father loves the child, the children born of him. Loving God, the father, we will love those who are born of him. Last week, Pastor Billy did a wonderful job as we looked at that beautiful section of scripture of loving your brother. That if you say, I love God and hate my brother, then you're a liar. And I love how the power of the word, because it is God, it is God-breathed word, just doesn't let us fake it. It says, you love God but hate your brother, you're a liar. The truth isn't in you. John here is reiterating how love marks a true believer in Jesus the Christ. And as mentioned, John continues on here in chapter 5. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commands, his commandments. What John is saying here by the Holy Spirit is the beginning. By this we know that we love the children of God. It's a natural consequence, a natural a, a result from verse 1. Where we read here in the scriptures, it's saying just as it is impossible to love God without loving his children, so it's also impossible to truly love his children apart from loving God. 
They go together. You can't escape that. That's the mark of a true believer. One who has been born of God. Those twin priorities make up all who have been born of God. It goes on to say in verse 2, when we love God and observe his commandments. That's how we know we love the children of God. The proof of our genuine faith is sustained in loving obedience. That's proof. That's proof of our genuine faith. Love God and observe his commandments. Now let's not be mistaken here by that word observe. Sometimes we think of, oh, I'm observing. There's some few hundred people in here. Or I observe that Wow, this AC is a warm welcome to this somewhat muggy morning. Observe here is much more than that. It translates to accomplish, to carry out, to practice. And something to note, observe his commandments, what we just read in the script, that's The present tense. It means it's a continuous obedience. In verse 3, we see that it says, keep. Keep his commandments. That we keep his commandments. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. You love God, then you keep his commandments. And that keep means to watch over. To guard. To preserving the truths of the commandments that looking intently to that perfect law, the law of liberty. It's a continuous practice of carrying out, looking intently, guarding that. That will be the direction of the true Christian. Not the perfection, but the direction. We will be in perfection one day. Amen? Amen. That is our direction. It refers to an action, a purposeful, holy spirit given drive to honor the commandments. This is fundamental marks of a true believer in Jesus the Christ. Solomon, wisest man to ever live, concluded. And if you read about him and what he did, I mean, he did everything the world had to offer and, and more. But he says, he concluded, fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. That heart attitude that prompts obedience. The principle here, verse 2, is that those who truly love God will obey him. That principle is found all over scripture. In Deuteronomy it says, follow the Lord your God, fear him and keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, cling to him. Samuel says in scripture, to obey is better than sacrifice. Obeying God is better than sacrificing. If we think we're getting to God by, wow, I'm doing all these things, I'm doing these these wonderful things to earn my way into heaven... Scriptures tell us, well, one, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith, amen. 
And, and in this life, when we're born again, this, this obedience is better than sacrifice. Jesus says, he who has my commandments and keep them is the one who loves me. Listen to this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And listen to this church. If you keep my commandments, Jesus says, you will abide in my love. Wait a minute. So if we keep Jesus' commandments, the commandments of scripture, the word, if we're guarding it, if we're practicing that, we're, we're going to abide in Christ's love? Who wants to abide in Christ's love? I do. You know why? Because that love is perfect. It's unconditional. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That love has no bounds. That love sets us free. By this we know we love children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. And when we keep God's commandments, we will abide in in the love of Christ. Boy. (laughs) Let's do it. But listen. These commandments will be burdensome to you if you're not born again. We're going to get to that. The obedience to God's word and commands that characterize the true child of God is not external, ritualistic, legalistic, partial, inconsistent, or grudging. It's a loving obedience that is from the heart. And so those who truly love and obey and obey God do not find his commandments burdensome, which takes us to verse Three, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You guys, his commandments are not burdensome. Some people feel very burdened by the commandments of God, but John insists here that they are the opposite. They are the opposite. Let's look at this for a minute. We know in Matthew, we we contrast the religious requirements in Matthew 23 and of the scribes and the Pharisees where it says they, they tied heavy burdens and put them around men's neck and, and didn't even help to, to, to get them off. They'd put these trips of this fake religion of looking good and heavy burdens and condemnation and, and, and whatnot. And um, Jesus, soon after, he, that beautiful verse says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And maybe people don't put heavy trips on you, but you put it on yourself. Jesus is saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I can imagine those guys that, that the scribes and Pharisees put those heavy burdens on they must have been like, this is, <laughs> this is heavy. This is not freedom. I mean, I'm just, I'm just trapped. And then Christ came. Come to me. Come to me. 
James says it is the law of liberty. When we abide by it, not forgetting it, but an effectual doer, that we are blessed. You see, we see them as burdensome. People see them as burdensome, but they're not. I'll tell you where the burden comes from. The burden comes from sin. When we're in sin. And disobeying God. When we, but when we obey God's word, his commands, we see how liberating they are, they are because we're experiencing that freedom from the bondage of sin. The world says, this is what freedom is. Do what you want whenever you want. Be free from rules and laws. Whatever you feel like doing, do it. Come on, be free. You're your own man. Do what you want. You can do that. It won't hurt. It's actually not true freedom at all, but actually slavery. We become a slave to that sin. And you guys know any Christian in here ever been tempted? Not many. Cool. Stoked. (laughs) Do you know what that temptation is? That temptation is that old slave master. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. It's okay. Come on back. But it's really shackles. Praise be to God who through Jesus Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin. Amen. Jesus fulfilled the commandments. He didn't come to abolish them but to fulfill them. You know a goldfish in that bowl on the table. Sure he's confined. You know, man, let's free that goldfish. Take him out of there. Take him out of those parameters. He's free in there. Let's take him out. We really be free. He'll flop for a minute. (laughs) Sorry if you have a goldfish. Don't take him out of the bowl. (laughs) But you see what I'm getting at. A goldfish is free in its right place. Christian, commandments aren't burdensome. They're actually freeing. I mean, I can testify of that freedom when we obey God, right? Can anybody else? Like how freeing is it? It's all clean and clear and it's like what we're supposed to do as born again believers. And it seems burdensome, you know, to keep the commandments at first. Like it's not easy to stop gossiping if you, if you gossip all the time. It's not easy to forgive if you're not extending forgiveness. You know that heaviness of sin and habitual sin. Gosh, how taxing it is. How taxing it is. How much time it costs. Money for some of us. Just energy. It's so 
taxing. That's the burden. Commandments of the Lord are not burdensome. Through Christ we have the freedom from the penalty of that sin. And now as born from God believers we have, you know, this this love of God. Keep his commandments. And it's a joy actually. There's no fear now, right? We have confidence in the day of judgment. We're not children of wrath, the born again believer is. Not a child of wrath. That's good news. (laughs) Jacob, in Genesis, served Laban, Rachel's dad, for seven years so he could marry her. Seven years. And it says in the scriptures, they seem but a few days because of his love for her. We do crazy, crazy things when we love someone. It's not a burden, but a joy. Jeremiah Lord says, walk in all the way which I command you, that it may be well with you. Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, that it restores the soul, that it is wisdom, that it is right, that it brings rejoicing, that it enlightens the eyes, that it is true and righteous, that it is sweeter than honey, even honey from the comb. Psalms go on to say that they are delight, counselors. They are clean. They are loved and made it meditated on all the day. If you're truly born again, there's going to be this joyful obedience. Commandments of the Lord are not burdensome it'll be a natural result for that new man that new woman those who truly obey God do not find keeping his commandments burdensome but actually liberating if you find yourself today thinking man I've always thought and still do I'm I'm not good enough I can never be good enough I always mess up I always break the commandments of God. Burden is too much. You need to believe that Jesus is the Christ. And experience the true freedom that comes from being in Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ is born of God. Verse 1 stated that whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And now here in verse 4 it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whoever believes Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, verse 1. Now verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. John, by the Holy Spirit, has such a simple yet so powerful principle here. If we are born of God, we overcome 
the world. The idea that anything born of God could be defeated by the world was strange to the writer here of this epistle. And if this word is God-breathed, whoops, (laughs) if this word is God-breathed, God is wanting to tell the Christian, hey, you're born of me. You overcome the world. What an encouragement. Overcome the world. What is it to be born of God? Jesus wasn't spawned, you know, or created. He's always existed. What we're looking at here is he was begotten of God. He came, he is God. He came from the essence of God. The very essence of God. He invaded the world and took on human form. Humbled himself to become a baby born of a virgin, live of a virgin, lived a sinless life and died on the cross to satisfy the wrath of God against sin and rose again from the dead, thus overcoming the world and the enemy for all who would confess that Jesus is the Messiah. Nicodemus asked Jesus, what is this born again? Can, can a man go back into the womb? Jesus says here that at word born again to Nicodemus. Born again means from above. You were born from above. You are now of above. And the believer, when we are born of God, you're born again. You're now in this world but you are not of it. You're of a different place. And what is this world? Well, Sean, what do you you mean? This world's not too bad. Sure, there's some some wicked things going on, but I kind of like it here. And for a minute, separate what God has created for us to enjoy. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is... The darkness in the world. The deception. The philosophies of this world. The Bible speaks of the world. Of, of That there's worries of the world. There's deceitfulness of riches. A desire for other things. That we can be choked out. And can choke us. The Bible talks about. What does a man profit to gain the whole world. And yet forfeit his soul. The gospel of John. Talks about the darkness of this world. Jesus says, I've come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. The Bible says that there is a peace. There's a peace that this world gives. But it's temporal. It's really not true peace at all. Jesus says, my peace, I give you. Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. How's that? How's that one? Think about that for a second. Jesus says, peace, peace I give you. Like, whoa, this is peace that, you know, maybe Jesus made. I'll take it. Like, yeah. But no, he says, my peace. How's God's peace? Transcends all understanding, but it's so good. 
It guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Got a little excited on the peace of God. Amen. Come on. Um, Ephesians 6 said our struggle, we struggle against this world forces of darkness. 1 Corinthians says that the world is condemned because of sin. Colossians warns us not to be taken captive through philosophies and elementary principles of this world. James exhorts us not to be stained by this world or, or friends, friendship with it. Friendship with that darkness. It is the underlying theme. It's the invisible spiritual system of evil. Not talking about politics or education or culture as such or civilization or society as such. And not talking about human structures or any kind, formal or informal. Talking about the spiritual system of evil that exists without God. Opposed to God. Dominated by Satan. Ruled by him as the prince of the power of the air. The ruler of this world. And also that system dominated by carnal, by man's carnal ambition. Pride, greed, self, pleasure, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's a system that is ignorant of God, an open rebellion of God, run by Satan, set up on earth with death as the ultimate enemy. Ah, this guy, I don't really believe that. That's what the Bible speaks that it is. And that is what it is. So to me... Sounds like this world is a challenge here. You know, apart from Christ, nobody can stand against this. Tells me it's a fight. It's a struggle. It's too much for me to overcome on my own. But in verse 4, we have this beautiful truth. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. We overcome that, Christian. As a born-again Christian, we overcome the world. There are wonderful titles in Scripture assigned to the Christian, right? You guys know where you are called in Scripture? If you're born again, you're called the beloved. You're called children of light. You're called believers. You're called uh, servants, disciples, living stones. We're called living letters, Living letters that proclaim the new life in Christ, who Jesus is. And there are more. There, there's, there's wonderful, wonderful titles assigned to the Christian. We find in our text today, the believer is an overcomer. That word overcome means to conquer, to win, to defeat, to gain victory. The Holy Spirit... God was doing something through John. Because in the 28 times that the word overcomes, overcomer is mentioned in the New Testament, it's found 24 times is found in John's writing. Holy Spirit is wanting to make it clear to the Christian, you are an overcomer because of Christ. Christian, you're an overcomer. You're an overcomer. Back then, it was a title only given to gods, the Greek gods, because of their unconquerable level. Would have been a shock to that pagan culture backdrop. 
to hear this title given to a Christian, born again believer. Jesus said the same thing about himself. In this world, you have tribulation, you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Romans says we're more than conquerors. We're super conquerors. We have through faith in Christ entered this condition of being unconquerable. The born again believer is the overcomer. John affirmed this idea earlier in chapter 2. says we've overcome the evil one. How? The word of God abides in you. You've overcome the evil one. As soon as we believe the truth, you defeat the enemy's lies. As soon as we embrace the power of God, the evil one's power is neutralized. Something to be noted again, that word in verse 4, that, that little phrase, we overcomes the world, again is the present tense. Very important, is con- means it's con- we're continually overcoming the world. It's permanent, it's ongoing. We may fall along the way, we may fall victim to the enticements of the world here and there, but the great war has been won in Jesus Christ. We're more than conquerors. Victory is ours. We've been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. What is going to make us believers victorious in this dark world? It's our faith. In verse 4. Key to victory in this world is abiding faith in Jesus Christ. An ongoing reliance and trust in him. Understanding, believing, and living out. The regenerate saint is born of God, is from God. That our citizenship is now in heaven. Right? So we're not of this world anymore, Christian. We're of a different place. We're of heaven. Of God's place. That's where our hearts are. That's where our father is. That's where our Savior is. That's where our names are written. That's where our room, our, our, our home is being prepared. That's where we're headed, Christian. Hallelujah. We know faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the things unseen, and that this hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us and shed abroad. We struggle in this world. We struggle in this world. Paul struggled. His fallen flesh, terrible persecution, and finally his execution. But none of that took away his victory because even in death for the believer, they are ushered into their eternal triumph. The victory has been won. The struggle, yes, in this life, but there's an undergirding, an underlying truth for the truly born again believer. You're an overcomer. The commandments of the Lord aren't burdensome. You're not under that. You're under this new covenant so that we can obey. And and it's actually freedom. Nothing can ever cause a true believer to stop believing. You know, we read Paul's words and and it says, even if they kill us, all they've done is freed us up to enter into the glorious realities of spiritual perfection in the presence of Christ. We are overcomers. The trials we face in life are temporary. We conquer in him. As John has mentioned earlier in the previous chapter, you're from God, little children. 
And overcome them, the Antichrist, because greater is he who is in you and he who is in the world. First Corinthians, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is a law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you guys, church, beloved of God, this is nothing to be proud about, but something to be humbled by and to rejoice greatly over. I didn't deserve it when Christ made me an overcomer and I don't deserve it now because I, like Paul, look at myself. I said, a wretch, wretched man that I am. And, you know, we can say, well, well if, if you don't deserve it and there's still sin in your life and if, you know, you still fall prey to the temptings of the world and the allurements of Satan and you still sin, how can it be said that you've conquered them? It can be said that I've conquered them because the Bible says I've conquered them in Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The Bible says, the Bible says it. I am an overcomer. You know, if you look at your life like I look at mine, you don't see this day-to-day basis of some kind of spiritual invincibility, do you? Like if I came up here and say, okay guys, I'll tell you this. As far as sin goes, I'm unconquerable. You'd be like, okay. <laughs> Britt, can you come back? Here? No. <laughs> Bo, anybody? But it's by grace, right? It's by grace. It's because of righteousness, not our own. It's been granted to us. Deposited in, into our account the righteousness of God in Christ. God in his mercy and grace has made you, Christian, a super conqueror in spite of what you are, not because of it. And now as we finish up in verse 5, who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How do you know if you're an overcomer? Overcomers are characterized by the same Three things that John has been talking about since chapter one. Three tests. Which anybody's salvation can be evidence is faith, love, and obedience to God's word. Overcomers believe by having saving faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't believe in Jesus the Christ, you're not an overcomer. You are still dead in your sins. You are still captive Held captive by the way of this world, by the sin of this world, you are condemned. And you need to be born of God, to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Otherwise, you will live this life with little tidbits of peace here and there, striving, trying to do good, feeling guilty, feeling condemned. And you will die, and you will enter into eternal separation from God, hell, where there is outer darkness, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and a worm that never dies. The world will overcome you if you are not, if you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ. The world will overcome you. 
But in Jesus Christ, we overcome the world. Nothing we earn. Very clearly, John is wrapping up here is that first test, a good test is our faith. Faith in Jesus the Christ. Commandments are not burdensome. Commandments of God are not burdensome. You've overcome and are overcoming the world. What is it that make you, makes you an overcomer? It's your faith. Because you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Begotten of God. We go, it goes around and around the same great truth. Our faith in the true faith. That Jesus is the Messiah. Begotten of God for mankind. For God so loved the world. He sent his son. Whoever believe in him would have eternal life. He didn't send a son into the world to condemn the world, that the world might be saved through him. Our victory starts at the moment of salvation. We're given a permanent faith. Never runs out. There's moments of questioning, moments of doubt. Lord is gracious in our time of doubt. Doubt is a temptation. Doubt is a sin. But if you're a true Christian, doubt will always be a wrong response. A sinful response because you are God's children. What John is saying here, salvation. You're true born of God. That salvation is sure. And that faith you have is sure to the end. What about those who fall away? John dealt with them already. Never truly born of God. Do you believe in Jesus as the Messiah? Our present continuing faith is a result and therefore evidence of our past having been begotten by God. You've been born again, you've been regenerated, been given new life by God and it will manifest itself in ongoing faith in Jesus Christ. Knowing who Jesus is is not a matter of facts for info but is food for life. It fills the soul with so great things concerning him as to easily turn this world into a contemptible shadow and deprive it of all its former power over us. Now that's freedom. We overcome because we're born of God because we believe that Jesus is a son of God. Not intellectually, but we put our lives on the fact that Jesus is the son of God for us. That confidence in and reliance upon and we have this new life by the Holy Spirit, we live like in chapter 2. Not love this world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away in all its lust, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. We, Christian, have overcome the world. Amen. It no longer overwhelms us. It no longer is the object of our attraction. We can now love God with all of our heart, mind, and strength in true freedom. Because the price has been paid by Jesus Christ on the cross. He is the one that has overcome the world for us. We are in him. 
beautiful book of Revelation speaks of all the things that is in heaven, all the glory, all the splendor. It says in Revelation, he that overcomes shall inherit these things. Overcomers not only triumph over Satan, but triumph, it's a triumph that results in eternal heaven. And all that is heaven becomes ours. Christian, you're an overcomer. What do I mean by Christian? You believe that Jesus is the Messiah. You love God. You love the people of God. You observe his commandments. They're not burdensome for you. You've been freed up. And again, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. If you're not born of God, you are dead in your sins. But Christ make you alive, can set you free if you believe that he is the Messiah. Lord, thank you for today. We rejoice, Lord, in what you have done. We rejoice, Lord, that you have set us free. We rejoice, Lord, that we are overcomers. God, I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, for those of us that have been born again, that are just struggling and having a hard time, and are, that, that you would cement, that you would burn in our very being that we are overcomers. We would receive that because the Bible says it. You say it to us. And you don't lie. You'll never lie. You can't lie. You are the truth. Lord, come and minister, Lord, to your saints, to those that don't know you. Save, Lord, for your glory. Let's come before him. Remember him. Taking communion. Body broken for us, his blood poured out. Remembering Jesus Christ. Come get prayer. Let's worship him though for what he has done in making us overcomers.